friends! Welcome to episode 73 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? You know, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all, no, actually. No, um, Had a wonderful dinner with some, some good friends. Mm-hmm. Had some had some nice dessert packed in there at the end, so we're all <sighs> sitting here fat and happy. Oh, pumpkin roll, man. Mm, mm, pumpkin roll, yes. pumpkin roll. No, do you say pumpkin or do you say pumpkin? Oh, definitely pumpkin. Okay. Like, I mean, okay. There, there's letters in there for a reason. I understand that, yeah. but like, you know, it's also like the whole thing between pillow and pillow. Who says pillow? I used to say pillow all the time. Why, though? I, it was just the way it was. Oh, God. I know. I'm so glad that you've grown up and like... Learned to read? Yeah. yeah. Something <laughs> along that way. You all right there? Yeah, it's just our, our electric strip i didn't want it to fall and like disconnect everything and suddenly we're no longer live <laughs> I, I'll, I'll i'll take a look at it look, later we've had we've had one week with power issues let's yeah. not have let's yeah. not have multiple weeks of power issues so anyways we have yes. a show tonight. we do we do we have a revisit um, yeah, we kind of went uh, digging through uh some of our some of our older shows and just thought like you know yeah. what, what are ones that we want to go back and kind of touch upon and uh you know maybe that we didn't cover um well enough the first time or maybe that just you know bear repeating sometimes <laughs> or you know maybe we've got some some different takes on them and stuff like that and this is one of the ones that uh we thought uh we might want to delve back into is something a little yeah. bit about storytelling styles i mean i'll flat out be honest here when we took a look at our uh show sheet from the original episode 13 um i think the term hot garbage came up twice i mean <laughs> admittedly like what, what what we had was a good discussion about rp games and, and different styles and stuff like that but like it wasn't really clearly defined what what we meant by storytelling style. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually had a really good discussion uh, about that. Actually, just earlier today, we were just trying, kind of trying to define that, um, and we kind of came up with the with the words like flavor or um, brand. Brand, I think, was the other good word that we came up with. And yeah, I think I I, th- I think it is the the brand yeah. that the storyteller puts out. Right, like I mean, you know, for for any of you who have the the the, the uh, pleasure of playing the same game system, but with different storytellers. Yes, you know, you'll know that each one of those storytellers had a different style of game um, that they were giving you something different that they brought to the table. Uh, regardless of, you know, I mean, uh, you know, if you're playing D&D 5th edition. Yeah. Like, D&D 5th edition is always D&D 5th edition. The rules are there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But I guarantee that those two storytellers' games were completely different. Yeah. I mean, uh, the same goes for, like, Shadowrun, is that like, Shadowrun's, even though it's got a deep, deep world that it's mm-hmm. easy to identify regardless of who the storyteller is, game to game, it can feel like a dungeon crawl, or it can feel like a soap opera, or it can feel like a gumshoe kind of challenge. And it's just because of the way that the storyteller kind of follows the theme. Now, I'm I'm kind of putting themes to this, but truthfully, it's how the storyteller tells the story and the methodologies that they use um, to impart their part of the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do think that a storyteller's brand is the best way to put that. But I think we need to kind of define it a little better. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what what isn't a brand? Um, it's not your theme. No, because uh, when we're talking about a theme, we're talking about that's that's an aspect of the story, not the storytelling. Correct, correct. We're talking how are you taking the story that you're telling mm-hmm. and presenting it? It's not a feel or a mood, because yeah. again, those are aspects of yeah. your story and possibly of the game system. You know, yes. Like, like if you're playing Call of Cthulhu, I, I guarantee you're not having a cheerful, bright, heroic, happy mood. You know, in that that game. So, 
Um, truth, truth. So uh, your 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 brand is really more like what you as a storyteller bring to the table and how you kind of make your own individual stories come to life. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I mean, sometimes your your game system is going to inform your you know how well your style can come out your brand can come out and stuff mm-hmm. like that like if if your if your particular brand is more like you know like a dm versus player like the original know, old school school of hard knocks original yeah. just kind of old school what, what everybody thought D D was because uh-huh. you saw it like when you watched it on tv in like the 80s or you know mm-hmm. or someone like a good example what people remembered from um et is you was a bunch of kids sitting on a table and a DM kind of getting ready to murder them in a dungeon, you know, kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Like if a player didn't die, something didn't go wrong, you know, didn't go right, you know. And that's it. It was more board game mentality than really yeah. role playing at that point. Mm-hmm. But it did influence a lot of people in how the game played and how sure. other RPGs played. But you're not going to be able to do that as easily. I'm sure you can do it, mm-hmm. but you're going to be fighting against the system as it yeah. was intended to be played in something, say, like 7th C. Without a doubt. It's very difficult to be adversarial and kind of school of hard knocks about things when your next line out of your mouth is, um, you know, that was awesome. Here's a drama die. Correct. You know? Yeah. Like, here, have, have a fate token. Right. Huh? Right? Yeah. Like, you know? Um so, but again, it's we wanted to, to to point out that this isn't necessarily about how the game system runs, right? But it's about what you, as a storyteller, bring to the table, and yes. I think it's a very important thing to note about yourself mm-hmm. and about others because mm-hmm. it can it can inform a lot of how that game is going to go. Yeah, and I think it's almost more important in a lot of ways than what is being played for someone who wants to stay with the game. If you're if you're going to a con, you never know what brand you're going to get. You're just going in for the story and seeing what happens. It's it's kind of it's it's like going out to dinner at a new restaurant. You never quite know how it's going to end up. And then you have, you know, your month to month or some, you know, you're trying to find a a, a group that you want to stick with. Mm-hmm. That's where brand makes a difference. Yeah, because you don't yeah. know what game it's going to be in two years. But you know who the storyteller is. But if you be. know who the storyteller is, exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, it's a little bit like uh, you know knowing a knowing a chef. Yes, you, know, you may not know what they're cooking, but if you know that they have a good command of, say, you know, Italian, you know, cooking and mm-hmm. seasoning and spices mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know that anything they they serve you under that flag is going to be great. Yeah, I mean, my wife yeah. would definitely say sommeliers have something to, about wine. Is that you know if you if you're like, oh, who's the sommelier here? Oh, it's this guy. He comes by. You know, oh, okay. I know what kinds of wines are going to be here. Exactly. You know, and his exactly. recommendations when he says something is dry, what he's really trying to tell you is it's going to suck your face clean dry. That kind of dry. <laughs> you know, and if he doesn't quite like it because it's too sweet, it, it probably is just a tad bit sugary. You know, you know, he really doesn't know what the word sweet means because that's not something he enjoys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, my ex-girlfriend introduced me to Mogan David and, uh, uh, <laughs> and Menashevitz. And, uh, mm. oh, my God. It was like. It was it was like oh so great so great that's how sweet I like my wines yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when I say the word lambrusco it means something to you uh huh <laughs> lambrusco is just a touch too dry for me you know? <laughs> that's, yeah that's funny but true uh, that's funny but true so um so we actually discussed each other's brand yeah because yeah. we have played with and a few other people and a few other um, people we're, yeah. we're we're calling you out tonight yeah we definitely will um you Sarah tend to have um. 
I, like a slice of life is a good way of putting it, or realism. Mm-hmm. You kind of take everything in that breadth that it's a day-to-day kind of a process, and the people are very uh, straightforward. There's not a lot of uh, overt drama mm-hmm. or unnecessary drama. Nothing's blown out of proportion. It's, it's not gone to... Um, you know, Telemundo level, you know, drama. Right, right. Deus you know. Mio. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and because of that, you know what we, we know what to expect. We mm-hmm. know that when something's changing in the environment, it has meaning. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and I think that's regardless of your game that has that brand, even your adventure game, which is larger than life by standard, mm-hmm. you still made everything fit like a radio show opening. Mm-hmm. And the the people you were interacting with, the villains had reason and and drive behind them that was clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't anything extended or long or, you know, didn't have like a 40-year history behind the dude of the reason why he was doing the thing. It was probably within the last two years of the reasoning why he was doing it, but he was also just a dude. He wasn't a villain to start with. You may have one plot twist as a treat. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, Um, Your style, too, uh, is probably about as polar opposite from mine as uh, as I could think of um, because yours is extraordinarily cinematic and theatric. Um, And... I know those those words sometimes get used as derogatories. These are just simply descriptors um, for me. Uh, when I say cinematic, I mean outright you have described scenes as if it were you were reading off of a movie script mm-hmm. with actual camera direction. I have. I have as in, that. you know, you see this and then the camera pulls back yeah. and... You yeah. know, and, and so it's it's easy to... At any game I am playing with you... Um, to close my eyes and imagine it playing out on the silver screen yeah, with credits rolling and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done openings for games, like the opening montage of games where each player is a different separate scene yep. with a carrying image through it. I think I started one off with like a bird flying through a window and you were following the bird uh-huh. through each scene. Right, right. You know. And I do my villains discussions that way, too, because one of the things about 7C is not only do you get the player's perspective, but the players also get a bit of meta mm-hmm. of what's going on that obviously will happen soon, but it's part of that story. And it lends to how do you move a view to something that the characters can't see. Right, right. And and it lends to doing that. See, one of the things you introduced me to as well with your with your particular storytelling style is the meanwhile scenes. <laughs> meanwhile. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, you will actually, at certain points of your story, and it's not something that always happens, but right. you've been known to do it a handful yeah. of times at least uh, that I've been gaming with you, yeah. um, has been where you will just say meanwhile, and then describe to us, like, what's going on with the villain? Yeah. And just give us a quick, you know, like... Mm-hmm. How could they get away? How could you be so incompetent? You know, like, oh, yeah. I swear I will get them next time. I'm calling in someone extra. Yes. El Duce. And they don't even say who it no. is. You yeah. know, just like, don't worry about it. The next one will not miss. You yes. have my guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to you. Right. And, <laughs> yep. and that's you, all we get. You find yourself, you know, on the road to Calais, you right. know. The four, you know, the two riders abreast with a carriage in between, you know, you're in back getting drunk with you, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, you're speaking with the Padre. Mm-hmm. He happened to, you know, who who you borrowed the carriage from, who's padre also drunk. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's, the, the, it's just a style. It's what I do. And it's my brand. And it 
it goes with me through all my games. Yeah, I, think it's I great. mean, even my D and D games are basically the same way. Exactly, exactly. So. And and we know to expect that from you. But we played with other people. Yeah, and we kind of we kind of pushed into that a little bit. And this um, is kind of a fun thought exercise for us. It really was. It to, really was to kind of figure out who you know the the other storytellers in our lives. Um, a few of them, you know, what their, mm-hmm. what their particular flavor was. Yeah, especially know? because we've seen them in different systems. Yeah. Um, Matt was one that we started with. Uh, um, Matt, who is uh, the, the the Mad Elf on our, uh, yep. our Discord. and does uh, Mouse Guard for us most recently. Friend of the show. He was also uh, uh, on, on an our, episode. On our show about, um, uh, you know, mental health and yep. gaming. Yep, which we'll do again. We will definitely be doing that again. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, since somebody was talking about therapy in games here recently, so <laughs> we'll bring that back around. That, that may come back up. Yes. Uh, but... You had described Matt's gaming style as a day at the park, and I loved the way you described it. But go ahead, I'll, yeah. let, you, I'll let you do okay, that. Okay, so gaming gaming with our friend Matthew is like is like a day at the park. Um, it is extraordinarily calm and casual, and he doesn't so much project a game at you as much as just invite you to sit on the bench next to him and experience a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at creating atmosphere. Um, but in such a way that it doesn't feel like he's creating atmosphere, that the atmosphere is just kind of there. Yeah. And you're in it. Yeah. He's, um, when, when you're dealing with someone, um, like my style where I'm presenting something, everything is done forward. You know, when the music is about to start, Mm -hmm. you know, when a scene is moving, you know, when an action is about to occur, I'm preempting you to keep you there within the moment. Whereas with Matt, he's very... I'm not going to say subversive, but he's listening to the group while they're, you know, talking through something. And then he might play a sound or he might, you know, uh, drop a note or or do something that adds to the scene. And you may not catch it immediately, but your brain notices that Matt's doing something You're like, wait, wait a second. Are those birds? Yeah. Can I hear those? Uh-huh. Oh, God. Oh, we're mice. And we're in an open field. And those are ravens. Bird, birds is bad news. <laughs> I hear I hear caw-caw in there. Yeah. Is there a caw-caw in there? There is indeed a caw-caw in there. <sighs> okay, run, 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 run. And yeah. now suddenly we're panicking because he pushed one button on his phone. Yeah. But it's... It, and, and he's calm about it. Uh-huh. He's just... Yeah, uh-huh. Yes. We're the ones creating the intensity. Mm-hmm. And he's just slightly stirring the pot. He he adds his little bit of spice. Yep. Stirs a little bit more. Let's everybody let's smell it. Mm-hmm. You know, get used to it. They're waiting for it. But yeah, it's very much that. He he is very casual in the way that he tells his stories. He's not a and here's the be- here, you know, and here's the fight and here's this and more of these and you know, he doesn't layer it like a cake. He just kind of hands it to you gently and says, "Would you like a piece of this?" God, we were we were playing <laughs> Mouse Guard and like a snake yeah. killed one of our like one of our compatriots, you know, one of our, one our, of our contemporaries yeah. and uh like even that scene mm-hmm. was just boom, yeah, and the snake just One gets him, and he's just gone, yeah, and that was it. Yeah, there was no more drama to like mm-hmm. he was just like, and the snake just wham wipes this guy out. Yep, like okay. a bus and hit then him he from just the side. he just puts it right back in our hands to just react to. Yeah, like you have all the facts that you need right there. Yep, in the blink of an eye, this this mouse was not a mouse anymore. He was gone, <laughs> and just like that, he's gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was actually like a fart in the wind <laughs> exactly um 
And then you have, uh, we, we went on to talk about Chris, mm-hmm. uh, Overwatch, who is uh, on Tesla right now. Uh, I don't know if you caught the picture in the other thing. He, he snapped a picture before he started driving his, but we're literally playing on his Tesla right now. Um, I thought that was, that was very nice. Glad to have you with us, Chris, although you're not messaging. Thank God, because you're driving. Um, but his game style, when he brings a game to you, he brings the world. And not in the sense that he shoves all of it in your face at one time. He gives you what your character and what your group is experiencing in such detail that you can taste it right there in front of you. Um, he does that with Shadowrun to to such an extent that it's it you know you're in Seattle. You know right where you are. You can feel the the street crumbling under your boot. Yeah. You can you can feel it in the car as you're bouncing slightly in the back of the of the med wagon bleeding out, you know, while the the dock is, you know, cybernetic system is trying to work on it and a stim pack is getting slapped on your shoulder, gushing into your arm. And none of that is him giving you gory details or anything. He's just giving you enough spice across the top of it that you're there. Yep. And it's it's wonderful. It's flavorful. You'll never, you can never leave his game without knowing right where you were through the whole feeling. Man, and that and that is enviable because like I I really aspire to that to yeah. be that sort of storyteller. And I it's, really do. It's any world that he puts you in, whether it's um whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Shadowrun, whether it's D and D, whether no, no matter what, like mm-hmm. every game that I've ever been in, I've always known exactly what world I'm in, and what's going on with that space. Yeah. In su- to a tiny degree of, like, what's in the stuffer shack that I'm going to buy? Uh-huh. You know, that kind of stuff. Who the guy is there. What? Why he's tired. You know, wh- wh- why, you know, and, and if I saw a guard at the bar two scenes ago, you know, that guy may actually be working at the Megacorp, and he's going to be drunk, you know, he's going to be hung over because it's the next day. Because he was at the bar, yeah. Right, but There's he carries that kind of knowledge yeah. through each one of the scenes. It's it's the Chekhov's gun to an nth degree yeah, with him. Absolutely. And it's wonderful. It's it's so much flavor. Absolutely enviable, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think back to, like, uh, a storyteller that... Um, Mind you, we were in high school, so I mean, right. none of us really were great storytellers back then. Well, I mean, we were but, starting... Uh, back when I was playing Battletech... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And this was the particular person who was running our Battletech game. And uh, I remember the exact opposite of that happened, Mm -hmm. where um, we were chasing some sort of a saboteur through this military base. And he was like, okay, uh, yeah, uh, he goes into the barracks. And I was like, okay, so I go into the barracks, too. What do I see? He's like, you see barracks? I'm like, okay. what? I mean, what's in the barracks? It's a barracks. Okay, but like, what are there? Like rows of beds? Are there separate rooms? Are there table? Like, is there mess hall? Is there like a common area? It's it's a barracks. What do you want from me? Yeah. Okay. Apparently, describe the barracks is too much to ask. You know, so like it's you know you're you're gonna you're gonna run the 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 gamut of all of them. I think, but uh, and and we're not saying that at the beginning you have to find yourself. We'll get we're gonna kind of talk a little bit about that, but. Mm And don't and I, the other thing is don't try and adapt to somebody else. That's oh, that's very valuable. It's not bad to take things from other people and and implore it if it's something you find yourself naturally wanting to do. But don't try and be Matt Mercer. Oh, exactly. Don't, don't try and exactly. be a YouTuber who does something. Yeah. You know, be yourself, and that's really hard. 
And it's it, one of the hardest things for all performers to do. That's why I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I mean, Matt Mercer ain't shit. No. He's not. He really isn't. He's not doing he's, terribly anything particularly special, first He's off. a talented voice actor. Yeah. He's he's a skilled storyteller for game systems just also, because he's done it a lot. Yeah, but also he does what, what works for him and his table. Exactly. And exactly. So you shouldn't try to be Matt Mercer because you're not Matt Mercer. No. You're, you you're your own person. Exactly. And, and enjoy that moment. And what you bring to the table, you know, I, I mean, uh, like uh, Technolich on our on our Discord, mm-hmm. you know, has, has said this numerous times. We're like, he can't watch Critical Role. Or maybe I think maybe he's doing it now. I think maybe now that he's yeah. had a little little experience with fifth edition and stuff of like that, and he's he's kind of gotten back into the D and D scene. He's watching it. And I think he's enjoying it now. But like we we had an old discussion back, mm-hmm. you know, when he first started getting back into D and D, and he was saying like I can't I can't watch Critical Role. This guy's entirely too serious for me. Hmm. And that's because that's because his storytelling style is casual and laid back. Yeah. You know, he sees all of the. The theatrics and the voices and the music and mm-hmm. the 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 well-made maps and props and full-painted minis and terrain boards, you know, for combat and stuff of like that. He sees that as just way over the top tryharding, okay, and, and peacocking essentially. I, I see peacocking more than tryharding. But but he grew up in a you know in in second edition D anD D, you know, where it it didn't have. I don't think that level of gameplay was terribly well developed. And I think D and D was a lot more of a, you know, couple of couple of twenty somethings in a dorm room mm-hmm. with a case of beer and a bag of chips. Well, who, who do you who do you aspire to at that point? What do you what kind of uh, you know? Are you following a book author's descriptions? Right. Are you? Are, are, did you read Dragonlance, and so you have those visions in your mind mm-hmm. and that kind of feel? And I think. As we moved through our styles, I had nothing but what the material was in front of me, right? And movies. And when I when I found Seventh Sea, I found a lot of my storytelling brand. I found that when I was going through it, I could easily... I mean, they told me to attach to movies, uh-huh. what movies to look at. And that gave me a, a clear image of how I would invoke oh, sure. that story. Sure. But when... I mean, when I started with Palladium... I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And like, it wasn't until later, I'm going to say it, that I saw Turtles, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then read the comics. Like, I did that after the fact. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was a juxtaposition for me for people being like, that's that's not TMNT. Like, haven't you read the comics? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. You know? And in all honesty, I, I saw Robotech as a Palladium property before I saw it as the anime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. when I eventually saw Lin-Min May, it kind of shattered <laughs> everything about Robotech for me uh, because, you know, love is the most powerful weapon and it's not even in Robotech anywhere until you get to Lancer's Rockers. How many MDC does love do? <laughs> Apparently, if you li- if you read Lancer's Rockers, it does quite a bit. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, uh, I do not recommend it at the least. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the whole point of that is is that when in our infancy of gaming, mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot. And so a lot of those early tropes and designs were from books. Yeah. Because D&D never laid out good branding or or styling. Yeah. They yeah. would they would give you descriptions. There's plenty of rules. You know, and and that those descriptions then led to you having to describe things. Hey, welcome in. Um That was Overwatch arriving yeah. home, sorry. Yeah, we're glad you made it home safe. Um but the uh but because of that, we we didn't have anything. So it was how you read it, like you know, uh, it was more of the tone and mood. But 
but you never really had a brand behind it. It wasn't until much later that we all started developing these things and seeing how other people told stories and like getting comfortable or uncomfortable with other storytellers. Like mm-hmm. I got uncomfortable where I went to a game that, you know, somebody had invited me to, they're like, Hey, we've been playing this for a long time. One of our guys dropped and you know, we'd like a new person to come in. I'm like, okay. And I went to the game for like four sessions. I think we all, we got through in those four sessions, maybe three scenes. Yeah. It was really bad for me. It was not the way I wanted to play. Yep. Yep. It was just a lot of gabbing and some meta and not even role playing. And we barely scratched into the game and it was really bad for me. And yet they were very comfortable and this is how they played. And yeah. I was like, I, I can't play this way. They were all having a great time. And that's just because that's that particular storyteller style was that sort of just beer and chips sort of, you yeah. know, let's just hang out. And if some role playing gets done, then then cool. You yeah. Know? Or, or you get the other role playing uh, where it's, you know, two minutes at the pub and four and a half days in the dungeon mm-hmm. worth of games, and then another two minutes, and then you're back in another dungeon, you know. And that's that's just how the play. You, they they don't do RP. They mm-hmm. just do grind, grind, grind. It's it's a board game to them. Yeah. And great, that's fine. Again, not my style. I'll play that every once in a while. Sure, sure. But you know, it it comes down to how you move. And I think one of the things we said in the la in, in our original one was we talked about it as throwing a party. Right. You know, how do you throw a party or how does someone throw a party kind of is a good inference on how they're going to do other things. There's a lot of different ways to throw a party. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes a party is, hey, I invited four people over and we're going to order a pizza. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, yeah, maybe someone should pick up some beer too or something. But I I think that's an interesting thing because even now I think back and I'm like, how would Sarah throw a party? And I think about it. And it is very much, you have you have a lot of flavor. You put, like, if you're throwing a party, there's a reason why we're all there, what we're doing there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not overwhelming, mm-hmm. and you're not demanding of, of the people to be there or not be there. And you're very comfortable with, like, oh, yeah, those they're going to play some VR in the other room, and we're going to sit here and watch this stuff. And, oh, do you guys want to try this stuff? Oh, thank you for bringing that. That's fantastic. Let's mm-hmm. just put, put some of that on ice or whatever. I'd love a glass. You're very casual with everything you I tend to have a bit more going on with <laughs> you, mine. So there's a there's a party you throw every year. I, I used <laughs> or, to. Or used, used been, to throw every year. It's been a few it's years. It's been a few years. Because uh, life has gotten in the way. But, those, uh, those who know anything about it, yeah. Uh, is, that, that has a title to it. It does have a title to yeah. it. Yeah. It's called Sin and Gluttony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not for the reasons you think. Probably you not. perverts. Uh, but it started out with... Uh, it's a food party. Yeah, it's a food and drink party. Yeah. And... Everybody brings something, mm-hmm. and we put little cards out, but we, we set up the house so that there's literally food everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's drink everywhere. It's it's conversation. It's drifting. And I'm literally moving through the party, mingling with people, introducing people to other people, interjecting stories to start something and then move to another group. It's mm-hmm. just, it's the way I move through it. But it's a lot like my brand. Yeah, yeah it's, it really is. It, it's, it's very cinematic. <laughs> and there's... Anywhere between 40 and 70 people in my house throughout an entire day. <laughs> and, and you're very accommodating. You I set am... up your basement as the introvert sanctuary. It is true. It is true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and, and, and the, God, God, the funny thing is, I think I think back to the last party that I threw, and it was like, it's exactly like that, too, where it was well, just like, you're, you're, yeah, the, I, part, put a, the, I put out some hors d'oeuvres, I cleaned the house. The VR party that we yeah. kind of basically threw, threw together at the last minute, I yeah. think, was, was probably the last, like, decent-sized one, because mm-hmm. there was like, what, like ten of us around? Oh, I don't know if it was even that much. It was... At one time, you know. Eight. 
Not yeah. six, six to eight, something like that. But again, it was, it was, yeah. it was very similar to mm-hmm. how you, so I think if you go over to a person's house and you sit down, <laughs> Chris is going to laugh at this one because he's going to remember the story. I, I got invited to a, a person's house where they were gaming uh-huh. and uh, we, I walked in the door, sat, like we were getting our stuff together. We moved into like the living room of the place. It was a nice house mm-hmm. and we're, you know, we're putting stuff down and I, I've got my drink in my hand. I said, I, I look at the guys, the host and I'm like, should I get a coaster? And they all look at me funny as hell. And he's like, oh yeah, let me grab you one, Rob. And he, I sat down we go, and they're all just staring at us like, what the hell kind of shit is this? <laughs> A coaster, but, but like it literally set up my relationship with that guy completely. Of like this, this is how we're going to interact. This is the level at which we're comfortable with, you know, our hosting commonalities. So I know how he would run a game. I the, can feel it. They're looking at you like cricket. Nobody knows how to play cricket. That's right. You got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. Thank you for bringing that movie around. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the second reference, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least, if anybody gets that one. So, yeah, I, I think parties are great. I mean, is it beer and chips? Do you clean your house? Do you get, you know, everything ready? Or do you literally have a dinner party? Yeah. Like, I can't throw a drinking whiskey party without China. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just can't. Like, I, I have a hard time throwing a light party. Just the fact that you throw drinking whiskey parties. I like did. Whiskey tasting well, parties. We, it was a tea party. Which was really whiskey uh, out of teacups. <laughs> and by the way, that makes a huge difference. So, yep. <laughs> Thank you, Overwatch. Turtle Power. I'll definitely take that. But, yeah. So, where do you... Where, where do people fit on that scale? Like, how do... Is it the system? Is it mechanics? Is it the type of game you're playing? Mm-hmm. Like, what really... What what helps inform you as a storyteller of your brand? And I, I mean, I think, I think that the, you know, the, the systems you trend towards are going to be largely informed by your style, if you know of them. If if you know of them, but um, I, I mean, I, I think you know, at least in my experience, I find I like systems more that are concurrent with my style, mm-hmm. and find that I chafe against systems that are outside of my style. That's a terrible word, but it's a perfect one for this. <laughs> so, I mean, well, for instance, like 7C. Like, yeah. I enjoy playing 7C, and I will show up to your table anytime you say you want me there for 7C. Like, right. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. I love it when you run it. Yeah. I would never run that game. I would never run that game. I don't think... Yeah. It's, it's not... I, I wouldn't be bombastic enough for it. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be dramatic enough for it. In fact, that's kind of one of my worries with something like adventure is, am I going to be entirely too mundane for this? No, because you bring a different, like, I think you could take adventure to that level, but I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. But it's the same reason where, like, I look at something like City of Mist, which can be very cinematic, but really it's up to the players. Yeah. And for that, it, it kind of, it, it almost scares me a little bit of like, I have to bring myself back. I'm setting a scene and then walking away effectively. Yeah, but I think for, for at least City of Mist, and especially the character you're playing in our City of Mist game. Um, playing, not running. Right, right. Um, it's a mystery. But but I, I, I think that the thing is, because in City of Mist, you play as a um, an incarnation of some sort of legendary uh thing mm-hmm. whether that's like a god or a living legend like king arthur or right. even you know the wielder of some sort of weapon like excalibur or you know something like that right um you know you are legendary in some sort of in some sort of way um but i think what you're playing informs how 
you know, dramatic you would How be. How far you can go with your with yeah. your brand. I mean, like, my, my character is going to be, you know, probably aggressive and self-assured, you mm-hmm. know, because I am playing the incarnation of Artemis. Right. Your character, on the other hand, is playing the great storyteller Shahirazad. Yep. And so I expect you to be a little bit flamboyant about that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you are. Yeah. You know, so I think it's more like what you bring to the table there. Truth, truth. But as far as, you know, how you run the game, yeah, I'd say it probably So the, me- the-, the mechanics weigh into it, whether it's heavy mechanics like mm-hmm. hack and slash or freeform narrative kind of pushes your pushes you toward a brand. You'll accept it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So um, now we got into a little discussion about episodic versus campaign arc affecting it. Yeah, uh, because I know there's... So, like, for me, mm-hmm. I know you and I have had some long discussions, and I think probably some of these discussions that you and I have had more recently um, actually led to the, the, the creation of this show. Totally. I think specifically this. Specifically this. Yeah. Was, how do you set something like this up? Because I, I have never felt good about the overarching, sweeping, you know, meta campaign. And yet I have a hard time writing something freaking simple. <laughs> You do. Like, the first thing I do you is do. like, oh, this is a town about some goblins in a cave that are affecting a farm. That that's it. It's that simple, right? And I'm like, no, no. And what's th- what's three minutes later? Yeah, he has three years worth of plot. I know what's going on with the mothers of the goblins and the deep dwarves because that are affecting the goblins. A butterfly flapped its wings on the yeah. sword coast. It probably and farted, so... honestly, and that's all it takes. So. Yeah, and so now there's a hurricane in Thay, but. but... But that's, I mean, it's how it has always worked in my mind. Yeah. So it's challenging for me to pull back those layers. Whereas for me, it's difficult to put those layers on because my storytelling style, as you said, mm-hmm. is very slice of life, very down to earth and grounded in reality. Yep. And so I tend to think on the micro rather than the macro. Correct. What is, how is the situation right now affecting Joe the farmer, mm-hmm. not the entire nation of Cyrodiil? Right. You know? Right. Um. And so you and I had these big discussions about uh, how, you know, how do you put those layers on there? How do you make all these moving parts and make it feel organic? And and then, you know, what if what if your players go off the rails on that? You know, right. It's just because it's not is my it, particular. Is it really off the rails? Well, we'll we're going to eventually get back to redoing those I stories. Mean, but effectively, that's that, a different does, discussion. But it adds what, what got to us it. into this topic. Least, and I think it know? helps. It it helps you as a storyteller figure out what are the you know you don't have to be one one mm-hmm. or the other. You can fit in between those two. Right. But I think a lot of storytellers go one way or the other on that. Um, but but I think you know your storytelling style is going to uh, inform a lot of how your how your game or possibly your campaign, if that's mm-hmm. something you're doing rolls out yeah um you know for me i tend to have very small bite-sized plots because Mm -hmm. that's what i as a person and as a storyteller can conceive of and hold in my mind yeah you know um and there's nothing wrong with that no like we talked a little bit about the the monster of the week sort of Mm -hmm. uh um episodic gameplay yeah and what it means to be truly episodic right and uh, you were like, well, yeah, my, you know, my, my storytelling style is a little bit episodic because I, I wrap up, you know, I try to put a cap on my plot every week. And I said, well, first off, that's a lie. It's true. Uh, you do not cap your plot every week. In fact, you leave us on a, you know, some sort of a cliffhanger. Um, most, it's not huge cliffhangers. No. But last game session, <laughs> we got to a town. And a man I have never laid eyes on before walked up to me and said, oh, good, you're home, and planted a gigantic kiss on me. And scene. And scene. 
And that's that's where we left it. Mm-hmm. So no, you don't get to say that you're you wrap your plots nope. <laughs> at all. Nope. I'm calling you out right you here did. on the air. You did. Um uh, but the fact is though is that your your plots are very long and overarching. We're still yeah. dealing with stuff that we were dealing with in the very first game session of your game <laughs> like, you know, 11 plus years 11 ago. 11 plus years ago. Yeah. So that's not episodic. What we're talking about with episodic is when you can completely detach every game from the other. Right. Where it truly is the monster of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's I mean, that's a perfectly valid game style. You don't have to do the big campaigns that last for years. You can, hey guys, we're going to crawl a dungeon. Cool. Okay, this time we're going out into the countryside and we're fighting a troll. Cool. Cool. This week, we're going off to this other farmstead and we're fighting some ogres that are doing some interesting things with magic these days. Cool. Cool. And that's it. Yeah. Like, you may use the same characters. Yeah. But there's, there's no plot. There's no connection between the dungeon and the troll and the ogres. They're just things that you were doing that week. Mm-hmm. You know? And if that's your storytelling style, that's awesome. And if right. you do run an 11-year campaign... That's also awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Knox says episodes you can watch in any order. Ex- yes. Yeah, that's exactly. that is true episodic. You're yes. you're 100% episodes satisfied. Episodes you can watch in any order. Uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yes. If you're familiar with the books. Yeah. Um is episodic. Yes. Um because uh, Arthur Conan Doyle actually specifically wrote those so that you could just pick up a novel and read it. And read it. And and be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. I 100% agree. Um another one that does that really well um is uh poirot oh yeah yeah hercule poirot yes i'm saying that right mm-hmm. um i love i love it like i i will watch that any day of the week and i can watch any of them and i'll mm-hmm. be perfectly fine it's like there's a few that have gone over two episodes just because of the type of story they were they just need more time with it but for the most part you can just pick them up whenever yeah um and so it's fantastic occasionally there's a tie-in here or there or a repeating character but or 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 death of a character or something like that but i think it's more along the lines of that it it doesn't change anything within the immediate story exactly exactly yeah. just the the, the the absence or presence of that character it does not necessarily you know put those characters put those stories in such an order that it is important you read one before the other correct correct so then i think the only other thing that we we wanted to throw at this was the gritty realism versus the cinematics the ends of the spectrum right like where do you fall into that um because you know you've got storytellers who will add gritty realism at times or add heroics at times but really it comes down to how do you see your players Mm -hmm. like are you rooting for them all the time are you holding back bad roles and things like that on on the the dm screen you know because you want an expectation of of some kind of hard push to have a high success Mm -hmm. and and feel triumphant Mm -hmm. or do you play with your dice open and like this is how it's happening. It's just what it is. Yep. You know? Yep. And I think that's that kind of difference between um how do I say escapism, true escapism and having a more yeah, no dying on mic. Um and having something that is a bit more um truth. You know, because mm-hmm. we we deal with truth every day, but some people love games that are that are very rich and true yeah. and hard and harsh. They they want that extra edge of things that that I want to feel my game. I want to mm-hmm. bleed in my game. You know, and then everyone else is like, "Can I just like play with a pile of puppies? Right? Can I fly and throw some fireballs or exactly, something? Like, exactly. Like it's what I'm here for. You know, 
Um, and, and that's what you know why you don't see McDonald's the role playing game. You know exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and and I and I get that. Um, but you know some people some people do like uh to tell stories that are see that the, the reason I trend towards realism, and I wouldn't say I trend towards gritty realism because I don't think I throw grit in there. Mm-hmm. You don't. Um, I I think I want to on some level. Um, I think you lean into it as a feeling. Yeah, but I don't think you tell gritty realistic stories yeah 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 and i i think that's that's probably where we're at with that one yeah um but I, I can I, throw some gritty realism in my cinema but it's for a plot reason but yeah but it's for cinematic reasons exactly right. it's just to make things more dramatic it's, correct it's, it's syrup on your pancakes at that point exactly um but for me though the the appeal of realism is that um yeah sure we're all here for escapism but at the same time the less you have to imagine uh, the less you have to go out of your out of the scope of your own experience mm-hmm. to put a scene together in your mind and mm-hmm. experience it and be there um, is less work that you have to do and more work you can put into things like your role playing or you know or your character stats or things like that you know yeah yeah um, you have to reach less far in a game like mine uh, where you've got realism as a basis for things right however like you said though. Not everybody wants realism because yeah. we're here for escapism. You know, we're here yeah. to tell a fantastical story, not this is how I starved to death on the three-day journey to, you know, <laughs> to a foreign village. Yeah. And knowing which storytellers give you that is a huge thing. And, and on, on the other hand, your gaming style is very cinematic, mm-hmm. uh, which is great because mm-hmm. I know exactly where to go for escapism. I mm-hmm. know I am not getting anything close to reality with your game. It may be spooky and scary and gritty at times, but... It's, it's still going to be a show. Exactly, but it's all <laughs> over the top. It's like the Moulin Rouge of role-playing yeah, game. Kind of, yeah. Um, but at the same time, though, I have found that sometimes in your game, um, I've found myself grappling with putting a scene together in my head just simply because the levels of theatrics going on sometimes are out of scope for me as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and like so, some of the face stuff that I did, and yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll have to like wait, hold on a second, what what's going on with this, and just kind of double check myself to try to make sure that I'm keeping up with the story, right? You know, right. Um, so that, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to both, clearly. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, totally. Um, and so finding you know uh, being able to identify kind of where you are on that on that spectrum, I think is very um, very useful. Yeah, yeah, and and coming into it and understanding it, I think sometimes helps talking to your players about it like Mm -hmm. i see that i'm cinematic and knowing that that's what people look for like it kind of helps you know it helps me to say okay i'm gonna lean in and keep going with that because it it works for me yeah exactly so so i think what we're coming down to is the 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 point of this whole discussion Mm -hmm. why storytelling styles and why identifying them and being able to you know kind of see what 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 the different flavors or or you know styles are yeah um what your brand is is important. Yeah. Um, and that is, so as, as a player, mm-hmm. you're going to be better informed what to expect out of, um, out of a particular game mm-hmm. from a particular storyteller. Yeah. Like, like we said earlier, uh, I, I don't, you know, Rob can invite me to edit some game I've never even heard of before. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, if Rob is running it, mm-hmm. kind of already know the experience I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you. It's, it's it's what the chef is bringing to the table, and knowing that chef. Um, and it also you'll know what's expected of you as a player mm-hmm. at that storyteller's table. Yeah. Okay. 
at my table, you know you're getting a slice of life, realistic style game. Yep. You know, and so you know that your experiences, you should probably keep a lot of your more um, theatrical backstories and gigantic, you know, earth shattering. Like, you're probably not going to get a save the world plot out right. of me with, you know, gods warring against, you know, yeah. demons. and That's just not the, not the th- you know, thing. But I also as a player, and I'm going to talk about a little bit of minutia here, but mm-hmm. like. As a player, you also now know that this storyteller is okay. You know, is one of those ones where you might want to have a backup character ready to go mm-hmm. because they they may just kill you. Sure. You know, or on the in the under the same note, you should probably know the system pretty well because they don't take kindly to you sitting there for ten minutes searching for your spell notes. That's also true. You know, so I think there there's a bit more to the brand in the minutia as well, but it's not so much their style as far as the game's concerned. It's their care of the system as well Mm -hmm. so uh and then so as a storyteller okay uh it informs you what game systems might be easier or harder for you to run very much so very much Um, so and what you can recommend to someone yeah exactly like i grew up on palladium we've talked about that a a while and that's palladium is a very rooted in reality like it's not there's not a lot of cinematics to it It kind of no it it, it's numbers to to give you a comic booky feel but i never found that that was particularly true it depends on the comic book, I guess. Is it a Punisher comic booky feel, or yeah. is it a you know Superman comic booky feel? Exactly. I, I I tend to lean toward the former. <laughs> I was I was found the Palladium emulated reality as much as it possibly could. It was very connected to it. It was very connected to it. Um, so. and, so, and maybe that informed my roots. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's why I run a very realistic game is because I grew up on Palladium for so long. Um, Palladium, BattleTech, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, you know, uh, on the other hand, though, uh, so it, it, there are systems that may be, may be harder for me to run, S- yeah. systems that are more cinematic. Yep. Um, it's a reason I haven't run uh, Urban Shadows yet. Yeah. Because that game scares me, frankly. <laughs> it feels a, little, feels a little out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Know? I mean, and it's funny because I'm not one to do uh, mysteries. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I have a hard time working with mysteries as a general in my stories. Mm-hmm. Um, my mysteries are larger. They're about people. They're not about, you know, uh, in- intricacies and, and connecting, you know, the conversational dots, if you will. Um, but I honestly say, I think it would be something that, uh, like, Chris would be fantastic at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think that kind of thing would, he would, he could devour it. Um, so, I, I, I could see where it's easier once you know someone's brand to be able to recognize what they might be great at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, we're comfortable with. Um Identifying your own brand also gives you, uh, allows you to kind of identify where your own boundaries are. Yes. So you can start pushing on your own comfort zone. Which is important. You know, um, there's that old adage, you know, know thyself. Mm-hmm. To thine own self be true. You yep. know, it's 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 kind of goes the same thing for, you know, in, in all things really, but for storytelling specifically. Um, if you can identify what your, what your particular storytelling style is. You can then work on kind of pushing those boundaries. Yep. If there are things you want to try to bring into your game system, you know your 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 games, mm-hmm. or if you see in another storyteller something that you that you you know inspires you, mm-hmm. um, and you may want to try, you know things like that. You can you can start pushing in those directions. But knowing where you're at right now is very helpful for then developing a style that you're looking for. Okay. Okay. 
I agree with that. I agree with that. And I, I think also to a degree, if you're trying to get to a level of brand perfection, mm-hmm. you know the components that you're working with. Yes. And you can become a master at that. Mm-hmm. And if that's what, if you're one of those people who need to master something, this is a good way to form it. Yes. Is to design a brand for yourself and master it. Feel comfortable with it. Because I know some people will not move to other systems because they don't want to be challenged by them. They want to learn that level of perfection. Mm-hmm. And by all means, work on the brand. Absolutely. You want to have some questions? Totally. All right. Uh, all right. Let's start at the top. Okay. Uh, knocks in the box. Sure. Uh, throws in a question. Good. Uh, you guys joke about Wednesday sh- uh, Wednesday show nights being your therapy sessions. Uh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> we joke about it. Yes. Yes. That's it's true, though. such a funny joke. Um, but what about campaigns where therapy over story is the focus? Is that type of storytelling? Uh, is that a type of storytelling style? What about games designed to strengthen social skills or better manage obstacles for learning and learning and education? This is a topic that we've actually wanted to do in the game in, in the podcast, like yeah. do a show on it. Um, we've got a couple people that we've spoken with. Um, the hard part was COVID kind of messed with us being able to do any good interviews or have, bring people on the show. Um, so we will be coming back to this definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, because as much as we, as much as both of us agree that, um, gaming has a level of therapy to it mm-hmm. and has a level, has a level of, um, social, uh, involvement mm-hmm. and assistance. I'll use those terms. Right. If you're if you're not getting a social interaction, it's a way to get a social interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither of us are on a level that we can communicate about it in a way that I would say is informed or educated. Yeah, without crossing boundaries, without concerns. But we do know people, doctorates, in fact, who could speak on this topic relatively yeah. comfortably. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I guess to directly answer your question, it's not really a storytelling style. It would be more of... It's really kind of more of an overt purpose to the game. I mean, mo- most of our games are assumed to have the purpose of just hanging out with friends and having a good time. Um, but I think if you're, you know, you, if you do have a game where you do have a specific purpose for, um, therapeutic purposes or developing a particular, uh, you know, skill, um, overcoming some sort of an obstacle or, or social, um, social issue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that's, if, if you feel safe enough in your gaming group, I think that's the most important thing is to yeah. make sure that you have a safe space. Yeah. Um, and that everybody at the table is okay with using the game for that purpose. Um, and as lo- I think as long as that's communicated and stuff like that, I think it's a great place to do that. Like, yeah. I know um, dealing with a lot of my own, like, gender and sexuality issues and stuff like that, um, I tried out characters at the table that, um, you know, were my inner expressions before I ever expressed those things outwardly in the real world. Because it was safe to do so. Okay. You know, um, and just little things like that, because, because role-playing games can be a very, like, there's no consequences to them. Yeah. I mean, there are games that are engineered toward social interaction and Mm -hmm. development. There's a, a superheroes game. I want to say that's called like teens or something like that. Um, where the game is not about the superhero side so much as it is part, it is the, the, when when you take your mask off, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that part of the life, and so you're working through the struggles, the day to day struggles that these 
superheroes are dealing with yeah uh and and their connections with other people and in some cases like there's a a different i think it's it's either a different story the same story uh or setting where it you could be a teen and have like you know be your peter parker kind of person Mm -hmm. or you could be an adult who actually has an adult relationship with a villain oh but i mean you guys are not cool on the superhero supervillain scale but like you guys have to work together uh-huh. on the social scale. And how do you handle that? Like, how do you deal with those levels of demons, you know? Is it called masks? It might be. It, it might, might be, be masks. Okay, it yeah. might be masks. Knox dropped that in the yeah. live chat. Um, because it was, it was told to me by someone else, and mm-hmm. I, I have not gotten a chance to go back to it. Um, but I've been wanting to look into that one. Yeah. So, But yeah. again, it's much, much more social interaction than anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I would just, I would just, uh, I suppose wrap up this answer by saying that, um, you know, just be careful mm-hmm. with the, you know, the, the quote unquote therapy game. Yeah. Um, in, I guess really, unless you're like a licensed social worker. Even then you, you know, know where to be there to be careful about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not there to emulate and handle a situation that was hard. Like don't, don't try and have someone relive a scenario better or handle a situation mm-hmm. better. That's probably not going to work out. But mm-hmm. again, there are licensed people for handling those situations. Exactly. And and they may employ some sort of role playing, mm-hmm. but that's a therapy technique and not a game necessarily. Correct. Correct. So, all right. Sam's got a question here. All right. uh, what are some basic, easier styles to try when you're just starting out as a storyteller? Some, th- uh, some that a new storyteller can try to see if it fits for them and their party best. Um, I would say uh, a few things like we were talking earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, see how you feel about trying to do simple versions of everything. D- don't try and go and make things cinematic. Don't try and make everything uh, into an overarching super plot. Don't try and uh, you know have every have every single character have deep you know NPC have deep meaningful roots and things like that in it. Start with one thing. Mm-hmm. Find one little part that intrigues you. Maybe it's something about a. You know, do you prefer to watch? giant movies that are you know larger than life and have adventure and excitement and scenes when camera movements and things like that or do you tend to lean toward tv where each episode has a wrap-up point within it that uh you're comfortable with and you come to a closing and you know the next next gen episode is them on the same ship again handling something slightly different you know, so that you can easily move through those. Now, on the other hand, gra- grab a default module and flavor it up. Give it a little bit of gusto. Mm-hmm. Make it, you know, talk about the, the 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 drama of the characters. Make your villains larger than life in the way that they, you know, uh, you know, talk or something like that. If that's something you want to lean into, uh, I'm going to say. Um... I can think of I can think of really two things that I would suggest to new storytellers. Okay. Um, the first is kind of kind of to piggyback off of yours. Okay. Um, think about your favorite book. Mm-hmm. Think about your favorite movie. Think about your favorite TV show. Mm-hmm. Do all three of those. Right. Okay. And I don't care if it's something like Great British Bake Off. Sure. I mean, perfectly valid. Like you know, Real Housewives. Like, sure. Okay, that's fine. Whatever your whatever your favorite TV show is, think about why 
it's your favorite TV show. What about it? Give it some really good thought of like, what about this particular show really, you know, tickles my fancy. Is it the you visuals? Know, great, great British Bake Off. Um, I like it because of the format. I like it because it is bite-sized and episodic. Oh, okay. There's one thing yep. that I can translate into storytelling. Yep. And because I like to get to know the little bits of interesting character and lives behind the bakers. Obviously, I like the cooking, but I like to know who's doing the... Oh, okay. so I like slice of life. I like character-driven stories. Sure. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then you start thinking about your favorite book, your favorite, you know, mm-hmm. movie. Do you like them for similar reasons? Yeah. Maybe you like them for different reasons. Yeah. Or I like you the know. way the person describes these scenes. I like the way that, you know, I can visualize myself sitting just a little way from the, the character as they're moving through this. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So think about those things and see if you can pull your favorite things about your other, about the media you consume into your own game Mm -hmm. because those are things that clearly resonate with you Mm -hmm. and they're going to be the things you're going to be easiest for you to emulate them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, The second thing I would suggest is um, just to kind of like for new storytellers, obviously running, just running the game is going to be a challenge for you. You've got no experience. You've got no, um, you know, you're still finding your own ground Mm -hmm. and trying to run a game on top of it. Yep. That's a lot to handle. Yeah. Understandably. It's intimidating. Right. So little things you can add um, are things like music. Mm-hmm. Music is extraordinarily easy, especially nowadays in the technology, mm-hmm. technology age. You throw up in uh, you know, YouTube music or Google Play music or yep. Spotify or something like that. Um, there's a bunch of stuff you can find online uh, that are playlists that are good for, uh, for games. Um, and it's very easy just to quick tap a button on your, on your cell phone or something. Yep. And you can just have it play out or even just sound effects like mm-hmm. a soundboard type of thing can be very simple where you're like you know it's a, there's an owl sound or a door creaking like mm-hmm. you know your typical thing like that just add a sound effect here and there to give a flavor uh and the other thing i would suggest too is props Always Not, a good you idea. don't have to be really elaborate but like if you have a note that someone is supposed to receive mm-hmm. type the note out just put a fancy old English font on your on your thing, print it out, something like that, and just hand it to the player. I guarantee being handed a note is much better than being told a note. Exactly. You know? So little little things like that you can you can try to to, to, to add some flavor. Okay. Alright, got... so we've got one question left. I don't know if we have time for it though. It's a good question. I'll put it out there and then we, we may come back to this next week. That is uh Overwatch asks, uh there appears to be a trending style from uh, more tactical crunchy type games to faster, looser style uh style becoming prevalent emerging games can often cater to this uh is one of the results of the other do you think uh it came first or trending style or the games encouraged it honestly this is a kind of longer question it's it's part of that overarching thing that we keep discussing about is there kind of been an evolution in games yeah I think or a regression is, so i think, I think game history 301 yeah well, yeah. I think we're going to hit this. I think this is going to be a topic that you guys will hear from us. But, uh, in fact, next week we're actually going to be starting a mini-series on encounters. Yep. So we'll be discussing some of this in that. Uh, and hopefully uh, you guys will stick around and see it with us as All it goes right. through. Yep. So you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, if you're listening right now on MixLR, you can find us there at MixLR slash Storyteller dash Conclave, or our Discord link, which you can find in our Twitter, uh, or on our StorytellerConclave.com website. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I want to give a big, big shout out to our Patreon members. Thank them so much for supporting us every week. Uh, Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion. New, uh, new Patreon. Um, our pre-show music is the uh, by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And our Archie music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine. Our, we'd like to say thank you to our families. Uh, Sean, Vicky, thank you so much for supporting us all this time. All of our friends who play our games with us and, and keep these stories coming every time. And the storytellers we've listened to over the years and enjoyed their brand. Um, and, of course, you, our listeners. Thank you, you ever so much. We love you. Good night. Good night.